Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2360, with a release date of Friday, January 20th, 2023, to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. 10 meters wakes up in time for popular events. Puerto Rico gets new tools for disaster communications. And get ready for Bouvet Island on the air. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2360 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron, NATMW. We begin this report with encouraging and long-awaited news for DXers. The latest report from the Bouvet Island D-Expedition 3Y0J is that radio operations could start sometime between the 27th of January and the 4th of February. The team intends to stay on the remote island for three weeks. According to a post on DXWorld.net, Kenneth Opscar, LA7GIA, has reported that the sale from Port Stanley began on the 17th of January, just one day behind schedule. The operator said they are not planning any slash MM activity on the way. However, you can track them using the Garmin link shown on the Newsline website. Meanwhile, even with the big World Radio Championship coming to Italy later this year, the event's organizing committee is already looking for host venues for 2026. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, tells us what's involved. While much of the amateur radio world awaits the start of the World Radio Sport Team Championship in Bologna, Italy this coming July, the WRTC Sanctioning Committee is already looking forward to hearing from prospective host sites for this prestigious event to be held in 2026. Groups interested in serving as hosts for WRTC 2026 should submit a summary proposal and a letter of intent. The information should include details about principles in the committee making the proposal and a description of how the competition will be conducted, including the number of entrant teams to be allowed and the means by which competitors will be chosen. Details must also be provided about housing arrangements available, travel options and a tentative schedule. Although it is not yet necessary to submit a budget, prospective hosts should provide an outline of expenses and their fundraising plan. The proposal should also discuss the means by which the event will be publicised and what kind of regional support the event will have from regulators as well as amateur radio organisations in the area. The deadline to submit letters of intent is March 31. Send details directly to Tyne Brangic, S50A by email. The address is tine.brajnik at gmail.com. The committee hopes to announce the venue for the 2026 event at the conclusion of the competition in Bologna. This is Graham Kemp, VK4BB. In India, the ham radio community has lost two well-respected veteran hams who became silent keys this month. Jason Daniels, VK2LAW, tells us about them. Two amateurs in the Indian radio community have become silent keys. S. Vankata Raman, Victor Uniform 2 Sierra Victor, was described in many online tributes as a homebrew legend. People posting their condolences in a number of online forums expressed their gratitude for the assistance he gave them in many of their own projects and for serving as an inspiration. 
Aham since 1962, he died on January 3rd at the age of 88. Amateurs in India and Sri Lanka were also grieving the loss of son Shanmugasundram, Victor Uniform 2 Foxtrot Oscar Tango. A well-known amateur, he was part of the team that created a popular Sunday morning net in 1988. In the beginning, it was known as the SWLDX Net, but on its 10th anniversary was renamed the BCDX Net, a name that continues to this day. He died on January 12th at the age of 61. This is Jason Daniels, VK2LAW. Disaster drills are supposed to prepare radio operators for the real thing. So imagine how hams felt in one California county when one of their more recent drills played out as a real-life emergency. Randy Sly, W4XJ, shares that experience. When Sacramento County Aries was invited to participate in an in-person training exercise last summer, they had no idea that a few months later the drill would play out as a real-life event. Most in-person emergency training had come to a halt nationwide over the past few years due to the pandemic. But Sacramento County emergency managers wanted to return from tabletop scenarios to in-person training with deployed incident command posts. This in-person drill focused on the levee system of the Delta for the Sacramento and San Joaquin Rivers. At one point, there was a simulated communications blackout and Ares was called in to establish contact between the EOC, command posts, and people in the field using FM and Winlink. Now fast forward to early January. This time, what was happening was not a training exercise. A winter storm with pounding rain was wreaking havoc throughout the coastal counties of Central and Southern California. Sacramento County activated and included Ares to assist in reporting flooding of the rivers, particularly in the Delta region. Sacramento County EC Jay Ballinger, N6SAC, told AR Newsline that thanks to the drill, the familiarity the hams had gained with roads around the river region, as well as with county emergency management, allowed Aries to effectively deploy and report. This is Randy Sly, W4XJ. So, have you started planning for this year's field day? You may be thinking to yourself, there's plenty of time for that, right? But that's not what Amateur Radio Newsline's Mark Abramovich tells us, as U.S. ham clubs and groups are already planning for a different kind of field day, Winter Field Day. I'd be willing to wager a lot of hams listening to this report haven't ever heard about Winter Field Day. Sure, maybe a few have read stories in the magazines over the years about groups of amateurs going out somewhere in the woods during the winter, especially in snow, and setting up tents with one or two stations, wire antennas, and gathering a hardy group of polar bears, I mean operators, to activate them. But there really is a Winter Field Day, and it's coming up fast, Saturday, January 28th, and Sunday, January 29th. You may be surprised to know it's an activity activity that dates back to 2007. That year, a group of Texas hams came up with a plan to stir up some activity on the bands during the winter while challenging operators to set up stations similar to those activated for the ARL's field day in June. A loosely knit group calling itself the Society for the Preservation of Amateur Radio was behind the first few winter field day events, but its small group of members quickly realized they needed some help and handed over the activity in 2015 to the newly formed Winter Field Day Association. 
Association. That group set up some basic rules and categories that have led to a blizzard of competition that has spread across the U.S. and beyond. The Winter Field Day Association's mission is simple. It believes hams should practice portable emergency communications in winter environments because of the special challenges presented by freezing temperatures, snow, ice, and other hazards. WFD is designed to sharpen preparedness under those subpar conditions. Last year, more than 2,500 logs were submitted. This year, the 16th year for the event, the organizers are hoping for at least that or more. You can find more at the Winter Field Day website, included in the script for this story, at our website, arnewsline.org. Oh, and one more thing. As with the ARL's Field Day, you don't have to actually leave your home shack to take part. Make yourself a nice cup of hot chocolate or your favorite hot beverage, fire up the HF radio and get on the air and contact those stations that are out there in the cold looking for you and other polar bears during this 24-hour event. I'm Mark Abramovich, NT3V. Hams operating in natural settings or chasing CUSOs there have just embarked on a year-long challenge to score big. Stephen Kenford, NAWB, tells us about this marathon. The fourth annual KFF Marathon Challenge kicked off on the 1st of January, encouraging participants in the Worldwide Flora and Fauna Awards Program to strive for their best scores once again this year, either as activators or hunters. KFF is the designation of the WWFF program for activation sites within the United States and its territories. Awards are available for the top North American hunters, top DX hunters, and top activators. Some of the more interesting sites include the Hawaiian Islands, National Wildlife Refuge, the Guam National Wildlife Refuge, Yukon Flats National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska, and Choctaw National Wildlife Refuge in Puerto Rico. Other parks, islands, caverns, and protected areas are located throughout the United States mainland. For details, visit the WWFF-KFF page on Facebook. This is Stephen Kinford, N8WB. Time to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the N5OZG Repeater, New Orleans, Louisiana, Sundays, 8 p.m. A massive religious pilgrimage in India has just concluded, and as always, the safety of the thousands attending was assured with the help of amateur radio. We hear from Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. A record number of pilgrims turned out this year for the largest religious gathering in India, the Gangasaka Mila. And the West Bengal Radio Club was there as always to assist with public safety, communications and coordination for individuals who fell ill and needed airlifting from the island to area hospitals. More than a dozen people were reported missing at the massive gathering and the hams assisted in reuniting them with their families on the island. Officials told the Hindu newspaper that they had the support of about 42 amateur radio operators. The Mila began on the 5th of January and ended on the 17th. While they were there, the hams were also able to make contacts as part of islands on the air from the island, which is in the Bay of Bengal and has the designation of AS-153. They used the call sign AT2WBRC. This is Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. 
In the UK, broadcast radio isn't about to start getting rid of its voice programming and replacing it with CW, but this month, the BBC embraced the mode gladly. Twice, in fact, Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us about it. The BBC has run programming before that examined Morse code as a form of communication, but this month the broadcaster revisited the subject with one ham from the United States, who is a leading CW educator. On the afternoon current affairs programme PM on BBC Radio 4, Howard Bernstein, WB2UZE, co-founder of the Long Island CW Club, spoke with presenter Evan Davis about the mode's growing popularity in the United States and people's effort to learn it. The LICW has membership around the world availing themselves of the club's free instruction. Meanwhile, the voice of CW enthusiast Mervyn Foster, G4KLE, can be heard on BBC Three Counties Radio. Mervyn, a volunteer at the National Radio Centre, appeared on the breakfast programme of Andy Collins on the 13th of January. A lifelong fan of CW, Mervyn told Andy about its resurgence in the UK and its usefulness even outside amateur radio. To hear either or both of these interviews, visit the link that appears in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Puerto Rico just got another safety net to protect the island when disaster strikes. As we hear from Christian Kudnick, K0STH. The Global Ham Radio Emergency Response Network, known as Radio Relay International, has expanded to provide crisis communications in Puerto Rico. RRI announced that the expansion of its digital traffic network infrastructure into the island comes after a year of working with volunteers there to upgrade emergency preparedness through training courses. The area digital coordinators for RRI have also been giving the volunteers one-on-one assistance and technical support. RRI's digital traffic network is a modified hybrid mesh network that uses primarily HF, but it is also involved in creating VHF and UHF gateways for local support. The system has the advantage of universal interoperability between voice and CW and digital platforms. RRI handles traffic as radiograms in voice, CW and digital modes via the digital traffic station function. Message traffic can also be routed between WinLink and RRI's own system. James Wade's WB8SIW RRI's Emergency Management Director credited Victor Rivera, WP4QZH, and Emmanuel Cruz, NP4D, for their work in Puerto Rico, along with numerous other team members. Puerto Rico becomes part of a larger service of RRI's digital traffic network connections that also include Asia, Oceania, and Europe. This is Christian Kudnick, K0STH. Is there a trip to Curacao in the future for a young, hopeful DX adventurer you may know? If so, you'll want to hear this report from Andy Morrison, K9AWM. The Dave Coulter Memorial Youth DX Adventure Group is returning to Curacao this year and is inviting young amateurs to be a part of the operation. The application period has opened. The trip will take place between July 13th and 18th with the goal of forming a DX team of amateurs between the ages of 12 and 17. 
This year, the timing of the trip has an added bonus because this year's DX adventure overlaps somewhat with the Youth on the Air camp taking place in Canada in July. The young hams in Curacao can expect to have some scheduled contacts with the Yoda campers as well. The PJ2T site in Curacao will once again be the QTH for the Caribbean Activation. According to the Youth DX Adventure website, the team is applying to once again use the call sign PJ2Y. Application forms can be downloaded from the website that appears in this week's text version of Newsline. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. A stretch of days with great conditions on 10 meters has provided a bonus for a number of events on the band lately. In Germany, the DARC held its 10-meter contest on January 8th, with hams getting on the air using CW and SSB. The Nordic Radio Amateur Union's 10-meter activity contest will be held on February 2nd, with CW ops on the air from 1800 to 1900 UTC. SSB users on from 1900 to 2000 UTC. FM users competing between 2000 UTC to 2100 UTC. And digital competitors getting in on the action 2100 to 2200 UTC. Just two days later, entrants in this year's 1010 International Winter QSO Party will hope to make good use of favorable band conditions for operators using SSB on February 4th and 5th. The nonprofit organization, the 1010 International Net, was created in 1962 to encourage activity on the 10-meter band and promote good operating practices. We end this week's newscast with the story of a net that puts squirrels on the air. Not flying squirrels on the air. These are radio squirrels. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, tells us about their chatter. As anyone who lives in Australia knows, there are no native squirrels living here. Or are there? If you ask Linda, Golf Zero YLM, a member of the Northwest Fusion Group in the UK, she might insist there are. And for good reason. She's had plenty of QSOs with them. Linda and her husband Ian, Golf Zero VGS, participate in the group's daily morning squirrel net, where Linda is net control. The squirrels are all the hams who check in starting at 0700 UTC from New Zealand, Australia, the Netherlands, Ireland, Sri Lanka and even the United States. Ian told Newsline that the net was inspired by early morning walks the couple would take in the local park in the early days of the pandemic. Radios in hand, they'd chat with friends as they strolled. Ian said, From time to time, we'd see a squirrel and mention it on the air. This moved to logging the first squirrel sighted each morning, and the squirrel net was born. Conversation topics vary from day to day, and the chatter often gets as lively as the group's furry little namesakes. Because hams are almost always in danger of timing out, the award of the Golden Acorn is conferred virtually on any ham who passes the conversation along just in time. Now, you can find the squirrel net in Wires X Room 41755 and on the GBNWFG reflector YSF 26499. As Ian told Newsline, everyone is welcome to join the peanut gallery, even those elusive Australian squirrels. And in Australia, I'm Graham VK4BB.
With thanks to Amateur Radio Weekly and Barry Snag Mishwash, VU2JFA, the BBC, CQ Magazine, David Bayar, K7DB, the 425DX News, the Hindu Newspaper, Ian Maud, G0VGS, Jim Storms, AB8YK, Northwest Fusion Group, shortwaveradio.de. 3Y0J website, Wireless Institute of Australia, Winter Field Day Association, Worldwide Flora and Fauna. And you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind you that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer nonprofit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you'd like to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org. And know we appreciate you all. We also remind you that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, NATMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2023, all rights reserved.